Uh, hey, can we just for a moment just welcome everyone here, even our campuses out of East and, and Black River and folks tuning in on online. Can we just welcome them tonight, today, Valley? Welcome to church. So glad everyone's here tonight. You know, one of the, one of the values here at King's Church is that we like to show honor. And I wanna show honor in two ways tonight. And the first way I wanna show honor is for a group of people who, who are not paid staff, they're volunteers, but they give so much of their time here at King's Church, oftentimes behind the scenes. Uh, and I just spent uh, a time with them this past week. And it's our general board of directors here at the church. Uh, these people are awesome. We should be very thankful for these people. Because when I was spending some time with them this past week making some decisions, they are passionate about King's Church and they're passionate about the kingdom of God. And I wanna show honor to them tonight. If you're here, one of you board members, I don't see you right now, but if you're here, let's just show them honor and thank them for what they do, King's Church. Another way we show honor here almost every single weekend is we show honor to the word. And today we're gonna to be out of Acts chapter 17, and I gotta be honest with you, it's kind of a strange and weird passage. We're gonna dive into that. But I wanna give you a theme passage tonight, and it's actually out of Luke chapter 15. It's a story that Jesus tells, and I wanna, the reason I, I wanna give you this, this, this story that uh, Jesus has been speaking all through the centuries has just been on my heart this week, and I'm reading this to you because what I want you tonight to have is a picture. All right, And Luke chapter 15, it's a familiar story. You'll know what it is. It's the parable of the prodigal son. But just listen to the story that Jesus tells tonight. And I want you to have this picture. It says this, starting in verse 11, it says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. That's what they would do. When a son was, would leave home, the father would take his inheritance and all of his stuff and he'd divide it between his sons. And so he gives it away to his younger son. Verse 13 says this, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. All the stuff his daddy just gave him, he just squandered it. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need. How many people are in need tonight? I know I'm in need tonight. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, to, to his fields to feed pigs, to pigs, church. He, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods of, that, of the pigs that they were eating, and no one gave him anything. But finally, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. You see the condemnation here, that he's speaking over himself, the shame that he has before he goes home. And so he called, so he got up and he went to his father. But here's the picture I want you to have tonight, just this portion of the story, because it's so beautiful. But just listen to this. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He chased him down, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that an amazing picture? 
Now listen, before you sit down tonight, I want you to turn and turn, uh, turn to a couple people and shake their hands. But I just got to tell you something. Um, I want you to say something to the person next to you as you do this. But I just want to warn you, this does not give you permission to go running around the building east. Don't go out of the theater for a moment. But I want you to turn to a couple people tonight. And I want you to just say, hey, catch me if you can. Can you do that? Catch me if you can, all right? <laughs> Catch me if you can. Yes, that is the title of the sermon today. Hey, I want to ask you all a question today. How many, of you, how many of you have ever been chased by something before? Maybe a dog, maybe a car that you just cut off in traffic, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend. Didn't happen in my life, but I know people who, who, it's, ha- who, who it's happened to, right? Um, but how many of you have ever been chased by something before? Show of hands. I think everyone's been chased by something before. I've discovered that there are two emotions that you have when you are chased after by something. One of those uh, emotions is, is that oftentimes when you are chased, there comes joy and fun and maybe even a little bit playful. For instance, right now my little 16-month-old daughter loves to be chased. Like every single day, we'll be out in the hallway or we'll be outside and she'll, she'll kind of, I'll say, Eden, come, come this way. Come on, let's go. Come with, come with dad. And she'll look at me, give me that face. And she'll turn and she just books it the other way. She's provoking me to chase her. She loves it. In fact, what's really, oh, what's really awesome right now is that she's been running down the hall with one of those toy stethoscopes. You know what I'm talking about? Remember those things? And as she's going down the hall, she, she feels the need to check the heartbeat of every neighbor. And they're all 80-year-old women. And I don't, do we have any doctors out there? Is that a good sign uh, of things to come, you know? But she loves to be chased, and she loves for me to chase her. And let me be honest with you, one of the pleasures of being her dad is to chase after her and catch her. I love it. So there is a being chased after that actually makes the heart good. Do you agree with that? Right? So that's one way of being chased. But there's another way of being chased. And I think a lot of people sense this, have have felt this before. And it doesn't come with joy. It doesn't come with a lot of fun. But it's quite the opposite. It comes with panic and fear. Does anyone know what I'm talking about here? I mean, I can, legitimately, I can legitimately tell you, I've experienced this before in my life. A couple years ago, I was in northern Maine uh, visiting my parents. And one of the things I love to do when I go up to northern Maine is I like to hike a mountain close by to their house. It's about a three-mile trail that goes up and then comes down. And it's just, uh, it's just a place for me to go. And oftentimes, I go alone. It just gives me a chance to kind of get away, kind of just spend time with God, enjoy creation. There's a nice view on the top of the whole area. And so I just, I just love going, and it's peaceful. There's solitude. I'm, I'm practicing all these awesome disciplines with God. And uh, on this particular day, I was coming down the mountain when all of a sudden something very large and something very fast started trailing behind me. And my peace all of a sudden turned to panic. Now, uh, you see, I love northern Maine. It's a great place. I have, there's no, I have no knocks on the place. I was born there. My parents lived there. Pastor Brent and I did our internship there. It's quiet. It's really pretty country. But they have one big, giant problem. Black bears. I'm not kidding. This past year, we saw a black bear. 
And on that particular day, when I heard, when I heard uh, that noise coming behind me, I did what you weren't, aren't supposed to do, and you, I, just, I just ran. And I gotta, tell you, uh, I gotta tell you, church, that it was a good thing we were going downhill, because if we were on flat land, I, we, we all here would be toast. Did you know that an average black bear runs 30 miles an hour? I, you don't seem impressed by that at all. <laughs> Let me put this into perspective for you. Usain Bolt was just named the fastest human ever, and he tops out at 27 miles an hour. So if you put Usain Bolt and a black bear in the 100-meter dash, the black bear would win the gold and break a world record. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty incredible. Now, i got to be honest with you. I know Usain Bolt, and you're wondering how I survived that day, but I discovered a gift that God gave humanity called gravity because I don't think I ran as much as I jumped and rolled the whole way down the mountain. <laughs> but let's be honest with ourselves. There are things that we have in our life that are chasing us that bring a level of uncertainty, fear, and panic. And it has great potential to destroy the very purpose for our life. You see, in Acts chapter 17, Paul and Silas are being chased by something that wants to destroy their God-given purpose. Acts chapter 17 begins in a city called Thessalonica. Paul and Silas have moved there since last week in Philippi. And Thessalonica is a big place. It's an important place. It is the capital of Macedonia. It was, it was this massive harbor town. It was very important. And when they arrived in Thessalonica, Paul and Silas did what they customarily do, and they would go to the Jewish synagogues. Now you'll see this when you're reading through the book of Acts, that whenever Paul and Silas go to a new place, the first place they like to go is the Jewish synagogues. It's just one of the things they do. They really are compelled that God is the gospel of, of Jesus is not only preached to the Gentiles, but also to the Jews. This is what Paul means in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, when he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto the salvation of men, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And so many scholars believe that the reason Paul does this is because Paul himself used to be a very dedicated, very staunch Jew. In fact, we will read this in Acts chapter 26, where Paul actually confesses this, and he says that he was the strictest of all of the Jews in the religion. And so we start here in Acts chapter 17, and Paul, and you see this, you see this deep desire that he has, this sense of purpose and mission to not only reach the Gentiles, but also the, the people he used to be himself. And so they're in the Jewish synagogue, that's where it starts, that is not where it's going to end. And so I want to pick up in verse 5, where things get really, really awesome. Are you ready? Here we go. It says this, but other Jews were jealous I love this next statement. So they rounded up some bad characters. That's actually in the Bible. They rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob. What is it about mobs? Wasn't there a mob last week in Acts chapter 16? Do you remember that? By the way, wasn't that an awesome message last week? That was awesome. Man, we had a jailbreak last week, all right? They're not in jail this week. They're being chased. So we're going we're gonna to stay here. But uh, it says that a mob formed, and they started a riot in the city. 
they rush to Jason's house. Now, Jason is a believer in Thessalonica, friends with Paul and Silas. And so he's kind of being the host for them while they're in the city. It says that they went to his house looking for Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other believers before the city council shouting this. These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. I love this statement, probably my favorite statement in the book of Acts. Listen to it closely. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. How many of you believe that there's another king over this planet, and his name is Jesus, and he's about to do something incredible in our world? How many of you believe that here tonight? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. It says, when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown in turmoil. Verse 10, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Now, this is about 50-mile journey away. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. There it is again. Now, the Berean Jews were more of noble character than those in Thessalonica. I like that. They were more noble. They're not as rowdy. They're not as crazy. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and, and Greek men. But when the Jews, get this, now watch this, but when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too. This is crazy. This mob is relentless. I mean, they're chasing them down. They go 50 miles, and it says they started agitating the crowds there and stirring them up. Verse 14, the believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left, uh, left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Now, this is just probably one of the craziest and tra- strange stories. Now, every week we say that in the book of Acts, but this is just sort of an episode of a, a more adventures with Paul and Silas. But it's just basically a story of these two guys being chased all across the Macedonian countryside by an angry mob. I would say this is like the Bible's version of a high-speed chase, right? Um, But there is some truth here with Paul and Silas, and I want you to catch this. Because I believe it reveals a tension that we often experience in our lives. And here it is. That what is chasing them has the potential to put in jeopardy the purpose of God for their lives. And so I gotta ask us this question today. What is chasing you? What is that thing in your life that is always in the rearview mirror? Something that you continually have to look over your shoulder, and that very thing that is chasing you from behind has the potential to rob you from fully living into the fullness of God's purpose and plan for your life. And it's probably not a mob. I hope it's not a black bear. But maybe it's a past experience. Maybe it's a circumstance. 
Maybe it's a failure in your life. Maybe it's a grief in your life you aren't able to let go of. Maybe it's something that is causing you stress and anxiety. Maybe it's an area of shame in your life and it just continues to bite at your heels. Everywhere you go, it's always chasing after. You know, sometimes the things that chase us are a bunch of things all at once. Am I right? And that what happens is, is that they all come together and they almost form like their own personal mob and they just keep coming after you and they start working together against you. Anyone know what I'm talking about here? Now there's a lot of things that I believe chase a person, but one of the things I believe chases a lot of people in life is this. It is constant reminders of the type of people they used to be. It's constant reminders of the type of people they used to be. Maybe it was a terrible decision you made years ago. Still haunts you. Still chasing you. Maybe it's an action that you took that you wish you regret now, but it's there. But whatever it is, the old, old version of yourself or that part of your history that you just, it's still very persistent at chasing after you, trying to define you, trying to catch you, you know? You know, one of the things that kind of stuck out of me in Acts chapter 17 um, is that this mob that is chasing Paul and Silas is a picture of what Paul himself used to do. Did you ever consider that? Did you know that? Do you know that Paul used to be a mobster? It, it, and actually, the book of Acts describes this in, in, in Acts chapter 8 and 9. His name wasn't Paul then. His name was Saul. But let me just read a description for you out of Acts chapter 8 of what Paul used to be. And this is what it says. It says, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. Now, let me stop there for a moment. Does that not sound like Acts chapter 17? And for Paul, maybe what's chasing him is not a mob. It's what the mob represents. Maybe what he's doing when he's being chased by the mob is he's looking over the shoulder and what he really sees is Saul chasing him. And you know, I find this is all true in people's lives. Just a couple weeks ago, I, I had the, the, the unfortunate experience of having to hear a friend of mine go back into rehab. You know why? Because what was chasing him caught him. And I think there's a lot of things, I think there's a lot of things chasing people that, that, that are coming in our life that we don't want to chase us. And maybe there are things in your life that you have chasing you, but you don't want to be caught by. But what I want to tell you today is that we don't have to be caught by the things that chase us. We don't have to be defined by the things that chase us. They don't have to dictate who you are. They don't have to catch you. Because I got to tell you something, in Acts chapter 17, the mob never chases Paul and Silas, and it doesn't have to chase you either. Amen? So what I want to do for you uh, today is I want to give you three ways, three things that will help you not get caught by the things that chase you. All right, you ready? Here's number one. Allow others to stand in the gap for you. Allow others to stand in the gap for you. 
Listen, maybe you don't like to admit this. I know I don't like to admit this sometime, but there is gonna come a point in time in your life where you're gonna need someone to stand in the gap for you because when the pressure comes and the pressure will come, if your life is like my life, you're gonna need someone at some point in time, maybe multiple times that are gonna come and they're gonna stand in the gap for you as you deal with the thing that is chasing you because in Acts chapter 17, this happens with Paul and Silas. They actually allow people to stand in the gap for them. I don't know if you noticed that, but in Thessalonica, it was a guy named Jason. Remember? Mob comes to his house. They come in looking for Paul and Silas, but they don't grab Paul and Silas. Scripture says this. This is the text again. It says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials. Now think about that for a moment. Jason could have said, hey, hey, wait a second, guys. I'm not Paul. I'm not Silas, but I can tell you where they're at. But he doesn't do that. He actually willingly takes their place in prison. And when the pressure is on, listen, we need people like a Jason, don't we? We need people who love us and value us and are not willing to throw us under the bus. People who will look at us and say, hey, I see what you're going through. I see what's chasing you right now. Let me take your place. How many people do you have in your life? Do you have someone like a Jason in your life? You know, there's other times where we need people to stand in the gap for us and we need them to protect us, to look after our safety. And and for Paul and Silas, that's what happened in the city of Berea. Remember, they flee, they go 50 miles to the city of Berea and, and it's a different place. There's different people, it's a different time, but the mob comes chasing them there. You can't escape the mob, right? But you, they, they come chasing them there, but it's the people of Berea that stand in the gap for them to protect them. Let me just read again to you verse 14. Look, look what it says. This is the believers immediately sent Paul to the coast. Look how they protect him. But Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Then the verse 15 just, it blows my mind. It says, those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens. Now, you're probably saying, why does that blow your mind? It's just a bunch of guys walking to Athens. Let me just give you this this picture in your head for a moment. I want you to picture a bunch of guys forming a human barrier around Paul and marching him all the way to Athens. The reason why this is so incredible is that trip alone is 200 miles on foot one way. And we need people in our life who are willing to stand in the gap for us and say, hey, I'm willing to go the distance for you. It doesn't matter how far it is, but I'm willing to go. I gotta be honest with you, I'm grateful for the people in my life who've stood in the gap for me. When I was a junior high uh, kid, I was, um, I was living in Portland, Maine, in, in, in Scarborough, Maine, and my dad was planning a church. And when you're a church planning uh, son or a kid, there is no youth pastor, there is no youth group, but there were people in that church who stood in the gap for me, who took their time, they took their, their resources, and they, just, they, they, they poured into my life. And, I, and I'm just forever grateful for them. In ministry, I can't tell you the many people who have stood in the gap for me. One of those people was my grandfather, Jack, who used to be the pa- one of the pastors of this church years ago. When I was a young pastor struggling in upstate New York, trying to, to plan a church there, and things were going tough, I remember getting phone calls from my grandfather when he was sick even. And he would say things like this. He would say, Seth, I was up in the morning. I, I woke at three in the morning. I couldn't sleep but I was praying for you. I was praying for you. And you need people 
who are willing to stand in the gap for you. And I'm okay with saying that and not be ashamed of that. I'm not proud to, I, 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 I'm not ashamed and I'm not too proud to allow other people to stand in the gap for me in my life. Because I believe, church, listen to me, that the body of Christ is at its best when we don't allow our pride to stand in the way of allowing people to minister and to speak into our lives. Listen, if you're looking tonight or if you're looking today for some people to stand in the gap for you, you can't to the right place because there's no better place on planet earth for where you're going to find people like that than the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that's why, and this is one of the things, maybe we just, maybe you get annoyed of this with pastors, but this is why we continually encourage you. We just pester you. We keep doing announcement videos for you. We keep doing all these things for you to get involved and to get connected, Right? And I mean, even this past week, we've been talking about plans for the fall. We've got an awesome fall coming. But one of the things I'm really excited for is when we start our 10-week connect groups. I'm, I'm really pumped for that. Listen, every, every single person at King's Church ought to be in one. You ought to be in one. Not only because it's good to, 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 to get together with other believer, believers, not, not only is it good to be discipling one another, but let me tell you something. It's there that you're going to find people who are going to stand in the gap for you. Because hear me on this. It is not a matter of if you'll need someone to stand in the gap for you. It is a matter of when. But there's something even greater, I believe, and it's this. I believe that one of the tangible signs that the kingdom of God has come on earth as it is in heaven is when the people of God start living in a culture of sacrificial love for each other and not in a culture of self-sufficiency. It's a sign that God's kingdom has been established on earth. And so you and I, when the pressure is on, when we're being chased in life, we ought to allow others to stand in the gap for us. Who's standing in the gap for you right now? Here's a better question. Who are you standing in the gap for? If you're gonna make it, you gotta allow others to stand in the gap for you. Here's the second thing. If you don't wanna get caught, here's the second thing. We need to believe that what God has put ahead of us is greater than the thing that is chasing us. You gotta believe that what God is placing before you is greater than what, what is chasing you behind you. You know one of the reasons I don't think Paul and Silas ever got caught by the mob chasing them was because they never looked behind them. They're always facing ahead. Did they acknowledge it? Yes. Did they know the threat? Of course they did. But you see, they recognized its existence, what was chasing them. They saw it, they recognized it, they say it does exist, but they didn't allow it to have influence over them. Listen to me, I'm not de denying the reality of things that are chasing us in our life, but they don't have to, they don't ha you don't have to agree with them. And so like Paul and Silas, we ought to look forward. And these guys lived by this. In Philippians chapter three, this is what Paul says. He says, forget what is behind and strain toward what, toward what is ahead. Forget what is behind. Keep looking ahead. Paul's saying, keep moving forward. Don't look behind you. In fact, Paul is not the only one to ever say this. God himself will tell the people of God to continue to look for, uh, looking ahead and keep moving forward. And he actually reveals the reason why we should look ahead. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, this is probably, I just love this verse, but look what it says. This is the, God speaking to the prophet Isaiah. He says this, he says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old, for behold, I am doing a new thing. 
Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I don't know about you, but that's a really good reason to keep looking ahead. Listen to me, church. Newness is always in front of you. Newness is always in front of you. That's where God wants to show you some new things. So when you look ahead, and you, what you're going to find is new things on the horizon. There are new opportunities for mission. There are new doors that will open for your life. There is new grace to be experienced. There are new mercies every morning. There are new revelations to experience. So what, whatever you are is chasing you, whatever is coming after you, it may be real, but I want to tell you this today. God has a new thing for you, and he's wanting you to see that new thing that he's placing right in front of you. Can I ask you this? What's the new thing that God is placing ahead of you? Can you perceive it? Do you see it? Are you discerning the things that are springing forth from his hand that he's placing in front of you? Because here's the truth. If we're too busy looking over our shoulder and worried about the things that are chasing us behind, we'll become so blindsided and maybe even miss the new thing that God wants to do in our lives. So keep your chin up. Keep looking forward because God has a, a, something greater ahead of you than the thing that is chasing you from behind. That's the second thing I want to tell you. The first thing is this, allow others to stand in the gap for you. That's the first thing. And I think those things are, are super important. But the third thing tonight, I think is so key. And, and, I, and I believe it's the, it's the real true reason that kept Paul and Silas from being caught by the thing that was chasing them. It's this final thing. Do you guys want to know what it is? They had already been caught. You see, Paul and Silas were never going to be caught by the mob because they'd already been caught by Christ. And when you're caught by Jesus, there isn't anything else that's going to catch you. Listen, Pharaoh and his armies can come after you, and they're not going to touch you. And I just want to encourage you with this. Listen, you may have things in your life that are chasing you, but over history and over this place today, there is another one who is chasing after you. And he is greater and he's always one step ahead. It's not that Paul and Silas didn't have things in their life that they were working on, or, or we all have those things in our, in our life that we're working on, but we're sure, but they were sure of one thing, that, that, they, that those things that were chasing them couldn't catch them if they were caught in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained all this. He says, I don't have it all figured out or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of me. And what Paul is saying is, I've already been caught. Nothing can catch me. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, hey Seth, you know what? That sounds great. It sounds good. But you don't know what's chasing me in my life. You don't know how difficult it is. You don't know the many things right now that are circulating. They've made their personal mob against me and they're coming after me. And it's relentless. It's all-consuming. It's debilitating. And I just want you to know that I don't know what you're going through. But I can promise you this. God has not stopped chasing after you. I can promise you this because I know what it's like. Lately, I've been dealing with some things in my life that have been chasing after 
me. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Brent was talking a little bit about uh, a staff member that was going through some physical symptoms and some physical things, some health problems. He was talking about me. There's been some crazy stuff happening in my life. Things just affecting me. It's been all consuming. It's been debilitating in my mind, in my vision, in my eyes, just things, my heart racing, all these sorts of things. Doctors are, are still doing tests on some of these things. Some people believe it's stress or anxiety or all these things. And, and, and I've, as I've been going through this process and, and dealing with it, one of the things I've realized is that God's been showing me that there's been things in my life that have been chasing me like insecurities, disappointments, bad experiences. And just realize something, when I share this with you, let me just tell you something, what I believe, that God uses all things for his good. It doesn't matter if it's easy, it doesn't matter if it's good, or all things. God uses these seasons in our life. But a couple of weeks ago, we were all together on a staff retreat. And when we were on the staff retreat, God, I really felt, reassured me of some things, uh, of something in the midst of being chased by some things. And you see, the first morning that we were together on our staff retreat, we, we were all given two hours to kind of get away and to spend some time alone with God. And the whole portion of that time was just to be alone and to listen for God. In fact, we were given a sheet of paper uh, that were given some, some things that we ought to be listening for. And what's, what's the new word uh, for, for me this season, God? What's my new obedience this season? All, some of these things. And one of the things that was on our guide for us to pray through and ask God to reveal to us was new territory. And the question was, I think something like this, what is the new territory, God, that, that you want me to take? And so I got to this question, and, 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 I, and as I got there and I read the question, my mind already started running towards like King's Church, because church, hey, we're on the move, are we not? And I started thinking about all the things that we're doing. I started thinking about Halifax and, and where we're gonna be going in the future. And, and I, but I, at the same time, I was trying not to force something down on that line, on that new territory line. And so I just, I kinda, kinda left it blank. And I gotta be honest with you, for a while, I was, I was drawing a blank. I was filling in all the other lines. I'm thinking, God, what is this new territory thing? I mean, it should be so obvious, is it? should it not? And, and so uh, I just, I kind of struggled with this and it got time where we were supposed to get, get back and, and be together as a staff and to kind of share some of the things that God was showing us. And I didn't have anything on this line. I was like, what am I gonna say, God? What am I gonna say? I'm, I'm new, they're gonna kick me out, right? And then just before it was time to go, this phrase began to surface in my heart and in my mind. And I knew it was God speaking to me in this season of being chased. And I don't know if this is anything for you tonight or today, but this is what God said to me. He said this, he said, you are the territory that needs taking for the territory that needs taking. You, Seth, I wanna take you. Seth, there is a future, understand that. Keep looking ahead. There's something greater in the future. There are new things on the horizon for you, but if you're going to take ground for me, I need to take you first. Let me catch you. And listen, I don't know what's chasing you tonight. 
Maybe there's nothing chasing you, good for you. But I have to believe in a, in a, in a crowd this size that you have things that are continually in the back of your mind, that you keep looking over your shoulder, that keeps nipping at your heels. And what I wanna share with you tonight, if there's anything that I can tell you tonight, it's this, let God catch you. Because listen to me, church, it's the heart of the father to catch his children, is it not? It's the heart of the Father to run after. It is the joy and the delight of the Father to come running after his children. Jesus said it in the story, he, did he not? He said, when he saw his son a long ways off, what, we did, what he didn't say is that when the Father ran, he hiked up his shorts. But by the way, that is a way of showing shame in the Near East, that he shamed himself to the point where he would run after his son, he would chase him down, and he would grab a hold of him and hold on to him. Him. Because let me tell you something, the father is not content with his children coming home with disappointment. His, the father is discontent with, the, with his children coming home in shame. He's discontent with his children coming home in failure. He is not content that there are other things in your life that are chasing you, and so he chases after you even faster and quicker. Amen. So whatever's chasing, there is another chaser here today and he wants to catch you and he is here east he's in the theater I love what A.W. Tozer says he says this he says God is everywhere here close to everything next to everyone and God is next to us tonight. Understand that the things that are coming behind you, that wanna rob you, they don't have power over you. You don't have to agree with them. You can be caught in Jesus. You can be caught in Christ. But can I wanna close with this question for you. Will you let him catch you? Will you let him catch you tonight? Listen, in a few moments, we're gonna pray and we're gonna sing a song here and we're gonna have some people that are gonna come up front and that is a tangible sign of people who are willing to stand in the gap for you. Maybe this is a time tonight that we just, we just be honest with ourselves. We just look in ourselves. Maybe you don't even know. Maybe there's some residual things that are in darkness, but you understand God is a God of light. And, and we were praying before, just saying, God, would you just shine your light on the things that are chasing us? Maybe we don't even know what they are, but there are going to be people up here that want to pray with you, that want to stand in the gap for you in prayer. And maybe you want to come tonight and you just want to deal with some of those things that are chasing you. Or maybe you need some reassurance tonight, but God wants to catch you. It's the heart of the Father. He loves running after his children. He loves chasing you. He does, and, and that never changes. You understand that? God's heart never changes for you. He's coming after you. Will you let him catch you? Let's pray. Father, I pray. I pray tonight that we would just experience the love that you have for us. God, it's just kind of a foolish passage, really. 
It's really about a couple guys just being chased by a mob, but really there's so much implication and so much things that, to be true in our own lives that there is tension that we have in our own lives, God. I think that we have things in our lives that, that continue to chase us from behind. I can deal with the things that are in front of me that oppose me, but sometimes it's the things that I can't get off my back, God. And so for those things that we keep looking over our shoulder, I pray that we would be able to confront them tonight. And that we would be willing to just allow ourselves to be caught by you. Allow ourselves to, to have our vision turned back forward, to keep our chin up, to keep moving forward, because the scripture gives us a promise that new things are ahead, that new things are before us, that new grace is to be experienced, that new mercies are coming, that there's new opportunities that will open up for us. There are new doors that you wanna show us, God. And I just pray, Lord, that we would just be honest tonight with you and before you. So Lord, I just, I leave this into your hands. I pray for myself even. Catch me, catch me Lord. Hold on to me, hold on to me. In Jesus' name.